You know, there's a lot of things out there, Garrett, that age like fine wine. Yeah. Wine, for example. Wine. Wine's a good one. Ages like fine. Oh, yeah. Uh, grapes? Yeah, grapes also <laughs> age like fine wine. They turn into raisins, and who doesn't love those? What well, there's 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 plenty of things in this category that we could like we could we could throw out here. Right? VHSs we could just expand this introduction. Seinfeld. VHSs. Seinfeld. More poignant than ever. How are you not going to love that? Tweets. All the characters. Tweets. Those. Those <laughs> age like mwah, Chef's kiss. Always great. Look Always at those things. Five good. years later. Ten years later. No regrets. That, that joke you made. Still funny. Still <laughs> not going to get you in trouble at all. And you know what else ages like fine wine? Uh, really, really, really dynamic cultural sort of monoliths. And I, I think that when I speak of television shows or movies or these these pieces of media that have shaped the landscape and the conversation, I, I don't think that there is quite a quite a force of nature quite like Rick and Morty. The Ricksters. The Morty guys. <laughs> Slick Rick. Is that what they call themselves? Mellow Morty. I think so. Mellow. Yeah, the big I fans. just hear the Pickle Rick and the Slick Rick. I am not a Rick and Morty connoisseur. You're, you're a Rick and Morty guy, right, Jeff? You're a Rick and Morty guy. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, actually, now that you mentioned it, I guess I am. Yeah, you're a Rick and Morty guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know myself. <laughs> hey, you now, that, now, now that you I said am. I am. You love Rick and Morty, right? I guess I'm a Rick and Morty connoisseur. Sometimes I like to get a big bowl. Sometimes when I'm looking to treat myself, I go to the I go to the supermarket. I get a bowl of like a cereal that I used to enjoy when I was like a little kid. Oh, that's good. You know, like some cinnamon toast crunch or some tricks. And then awesome. I, you mean like cornflakes? I, I, I or... go and I go home and I, I sit in front of my laptop in my studio Shredded bedroom wheats. apartment that I'm renting in New York City, and I pour myself a Dude. a big old bowl of of cereal and then i i get a big old bowl of you know what you know what i mean i got a bowl and a bowl you know what i'm saying like a bowl of milk I get some, yeah that's right I, I i watch some rick and morty i take a little puff puff Dude. and man that like is cereal puffs i look Cocoa forward puff. every week to Reese doing puffs. that i do this every week without fail that's so well, and dude. by the way i know allison's left me uh but it's okay because you got your principles. This is the life. This is the life, man. This is it. This is all we need. Oh man! It is clearly. I think the re- the listeners here can tell that uh, we we have mixed feelings on Rick and Morty. Actually, I don't have mixed feelings on Rick and Morty. I like Rick and Morty. I think that the show is actually very smart, very intelligent. I think it's a, the first two seasons were really good. I didn't watch season three, and I bet you can guess exactly why I stopped watching Garrett. I can. You played a nice game of Cards Against you Humanity forgot to with pay, a nice fan base. You forgot to pay your subscription fans. to Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't have a Netflix. I. Uh, you don't I, now. I, I. I don't now. Yeah, I forgot to pay it. I was like, I. <laughs> the joke. The joke started the going window. over your head, so you had to quit watching it. If you don't I think mean, it's funny, you just don't get it, dude. Yeah. Actually, I think we all know the reason why. Like Rick and Morty is now. It's I've actually I'm not sure if I've seen something move from like upper echelon like 
everyone it's like sort of a highly regarded joke to sort of like ragging on it the way that we are now uh to be fair <laughs> we are i am being pretentious i am being a jerk i really am if, if you feel like that i'm that i'm sort of just saying that way you are right in thinking that um very surface level hate that i'm throwing at rick and morty here because it's it's directed at the the the, the fans right uh, how many times have you been in the online you know in the online community or you've uh, seen someone like some some large sort of ugly guy very yeah. nasty looking man wearing a pickle rick shirt and you're uh, just like well this just sort of made my day moderately worse <laughs> you know <laughs> but let me put let me pose this question when <laughs> when do fans ever make anything better Oh, that's a great question. Like I, I don't, I that's can't think really of, good question. I can't think of a single the situation Raiders? when the Raiders, the Raiders is pretty good. No, they freaking they Wrestling? rioted when they lost. <laughs> Wrestling, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Wrestling, it might take. Or Juggalo fans, uh, maybe. Uh, uh, like, yeah, family. So uh, yeah, I, I th- but for the most part, like of things that are that's of good point. quality, the art in and of itself could be decent. But the fans just make everything worse. They complain about everything. They like to insert their own ideas. They wish they don't Jeff's play not the wrong. Blue album. <laughs> He's not wrong at all. Like I think the problem is humanity. <laughs> I, I, yeah, we're terrible. I think we just need to shed this mortal coil yeah. and uh, reach reach for something higher. But until then, we're stuck with Rick and Morty, and we're stuck with the people who like it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna make. We're gonna lose so many. We're gonna lose a lot of listeners. We're being sour pusses up here. Good. We're just having fun, folks. We're a podcast of of hate. If you like, they should know. Stop listening right now. (laughs) They should know by the. They should know by now that we're a podcast of hate. Don't ever listen to our episodes again. We just hate on everything. This is official breakup. We're just haters over here, and you know what? We're hating the game and the players in it. So that's all I can say. Speaking of games and players, (laughs) hello, everyone. Welcome to Roll and Move, the Internet's podcast that takes a look at some of the weirder, more bizarre, maybe some of the worst batter side board games that are out there today. We break them down, see what works about them. I'm your first co-host and one of the creators of Rough Draft Games, Thomas Schungerberg. And with me here, as always, is Garrett Lively. I just don't get it. You know, I just don't get the humor. The jokes go over my head. It's it's not funny. I'm not woke enough. And I prefer just to watch the good stuff, the hits. I, I, I don't think there's, there's a wokeness sort of about Rick and Morty. I think a lot of the jokes no, are... No, I, I don't get it. I'm not woke enough. I... <laughs> Is that what you tell yourself at night? I can't get it. No, you I can't s- stack up. I sla- I asked my wife to slap me. I said, "Garrett, you're not woke enough. You're not. You don't get it. You don't understand I, the humor." I just so Kat's a fan. Is that what you're saying? No, I just tell I tell her she has, <laughs> she has no anyway. idea. Yeah, she has okay, no. Idea. She's never seen it. She's never. That's good. All right, uh, Jeff. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, so this is the this is the point in the show where I usually make some you know slightly on slash off topic about uh, the topic of the show, and I introduce myself as such in my personal history. But I'm not I'm not going to do that today because I have probably zero history with Rick and Morty. I caught on to the wave or heard about it kind of late, um, and I never really got into it. Kind of the same thing with the Adventure Time. Mm-hmm. Kind of fad, and uh, yeah. So I'm Jeff. I'm the third co-host, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say that my history with Rick and Morty. I was first told about it by a good friend. Usually comes out to Los Angeles once a year for Ultimate Frisbee tournaments. Ryan Simmons, friend of the show. We all love Ryan. Oh, Ryan. Uh, ah, yeah, friend of the show, Ryan. sponsor Ryan. of the show, actually. Yeah. And uh, he told he told me about it a couple years ago, and more than a couple, and. 
when I first watched it, I, I really enjoyed the show. I, I do think that the writing is genuinely clever. The plot synopsis is for the episodes, if you just look at them on paper, they're really creative. These are straight up like almost Twilight Zone level uh, episodes that are playing on various themes such as the... What the fuck? Who's <laughs> calling me? Hey, as part of our absurdist Rick and Morty theme, we are having, we're taking phone calls now. So. Hey Tom, it's me. Pickle Rick. Does Rick talk like that? Or, no, Morty talks like that. Why is my dad calling me? Put him on. Pickle Dad. Put Jerry on. Pickle Dad. I keep getting these scam texts too. From your dad? I haven't got. I haven't gotten that one. I've gotten one from my mom that says I love you. I think that one's fake. And she sends you a hyperlink. <laughs> 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 I kind of want to keep that phone call in there. Some funny bits came with that phone call. Might yeah. be worth keeping or trimming out. Trimming out the air around it. Uh, as I was saying, so the show has quite a bit of. Uh, of sort of meta dissection of the format of your standard sitcom and also your science fiction tropes, it mixes in a lot of real life sort of scientific components. Now, the I, I don't think this is the show's fault. Actually, it is absolutely not the show's fault. But the speed at which things go from cool to not cool, I think has exponentially increased over the past years, just because we're, you know, I, you, you look around and when something is being, uh, you know, memed on Reddit or, you know, it's got a subreddit of over 500,000, 600,000 people and you're seeing people like, you know, someone's making like Pickle Rick dolls in their basement and they're trying to sell them on Etsy and uh, they, they did the whole Saskatchewan sauce advertisement with like mcdonald's where mcdonald's because it was mentioned in one rick and morty oh, yeah. episode they brought back a chicken finger sauce that you could dip your stuff in and like there were lines out the door it started to sort of seep into uh our lives and when a fandom seeps into your life outside of like the moments where you're appreciating the show i think that makes people get a little sick of it faster so it's not i don't think it's the show's fault that it sort of got worn out or ripped on a little quicker than other I'm trying shows. to think about like all think if you think about all the animated series that are kind mm -hmm. of like this, right? Um, or video games like Five Nights at Freddy's is a good example of fans <clears throat> that become annoying. Undertale is a really good example. Like I would say, Undertale is an app is it's an absolutely phenomenal game. Uh, but I cannot lie, the fandom is. One of the reasons mad. that it puts so many people off of it. Yeah, but I guess what uh, I was getting at is like, so if you think about all the shows that have done this, like most all of them kind of go through the same phases. So like at first they seem kind of innovative and edgy and they, mm -hmm. they, they really wear down on you kind of fast. Like you can mention Simpsons, you can mention Family Guy, Rick and Morty certainly goes in the alley, South Park. Um, mm -hmm. at, at first people are like, this is kind of refreshing. The format's a little different. Um, the comedy's edgy. And then you get to this middle area where it just kind of dies. Like, it, you Falls know, off. like Family Guy's that way for a lot of people, right? It was kind of funny at the beginning. And then you hear everyone quoting every single line from every episode. And you're like, it's kind of got that Napoleon Dynamite feeling to it where it gets over, yeah. oversaturated. And then it gets to the echelon where it's been around for so long that it becomes like... Um, it becomes sort of classic. Yeah, like like Simpsons like, is like that, right? And I think I right. think South Park has even gotten to that to that stage. But I wouldn't quite yeah. say that Family Guy is at that level. Um, so 
it's it's kind of this weird trajectory when it comes to these animated comedies that are (laughs) more leaning towards adult and edgy i would also like to say that i am grateful that the game that we're playing today is based off of probably one of I believe the best episodes of Rick and Morty that there is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably one of the most creative in the way that it sort of breaks apart. I'll, Alex, how about this? Garrett, you tell him what the game is, and I'll when the time comes, I will say the episode that it's based off and sort of like what it does and why it why it works into the mechanics so well. All right. So you jump in, tell him what we're playing today, Garrett. Right, I, I, I gotta, I gotta, we gotta have a like a commercial break right here to first talk about who put this game out and uh, the designer behind it. Because we have done this designer a great service before by reviewing one of his games. Uh, He did the Walking Dead Don't Look Back dice game, I I think it was called. Whatever Walking Dead dice game we did. And uh, that was also a Cryptozoic game. This is Matt Hira of of Cryptozoic putting putting this Rick and Morty game out for us. Uh, Matt Hira is one of the kings of intellectual properties and, and designing board games around him. He's done... It, uh, as as we mentioned, the the Walking Dead game. He's done Ghostbusters. He did Attack on Titan. He's done a Batman Love Letter, I believe, or or a, a small Batman card game. I can't remember if it was Love Letter or not. Uh, he's done a ton of IPs, and he, he's got the DC deck building game. He's just uh, you know, you give him a an intellectual property, some theming, some characters, and he'll put a game system around it. So. Matt Hira, Cryptozoic, is also known for having intellectual properties as as a broad uh, genre within their within their game library. So of course they've got a couple Rick and Morty games, and today we are specifically taking a look at the Rick and Morty Total Recall card game. Uh, as you said, a game based around a specific episode. And in this game, you are trying to find the parasites and shoot them and kill them while avoiding shooting and killing any real, I guess, characters, humans. Uh, right. So this would be probably a good uh, good time to jump in with exactly what the what the plot of the episode is about because it's going to tie very much to what you're trying to accomplish in the game. Sure. So first of all, this is unheard of that a board game is made off of a single episode of a TV show. <laughs> yeah. This is the yeah. first time I've ever seen that. Yeah. And which speaks something to how successful and how how well known this specific episode is of Rick and Morty is largely being one of the series best ever. And that's because so the episode begins and you have uh, characters that are sort of having a morning breakfast. And then there's a character that no one has ever seen before on the show. Right. And Rick sort of seems suspicious, but all the characters are acting like they know this person. They've seen him for a long time. Rick kills him. Turns out the person's a parasite. Rick runs over to the window, throws it open. Oh, oh my gosh. Their house has been abducted into space, and there's all these parasites that are trying to... uh, I'm not sure if the space thing is correct, but bottom line is parasites have infiltrated their household and are trying to hide in their flashbacks right now when Mm -hmm. you're watching a television show sometimes you have flashbacks to the past of a previous memory and every time that they have a flashback in this episode Mm -hmm. they meet a new character and eventually the screen is just filled and filled and filled with nonsensical characters and it's sort of like a little bit of amnesia mixed in because they're not able to they have all these false memories of characters that they have encountered for the first time in flashback and flashbacks and that's how parasites sort of 
right. reproduce. They're mm-hmm. able to yeah. spread and infect more people. And the goal of the of the characters in the episode is they have to figure out who is real and who is not real because they feel like that they've known their family members their whole life, but also these new people, they have all these memories of knowing them their whole life. And so there's, it's sort of like a... They named the episode Total Rickall, but really... I think it's more of, there is a little bit of total recall in it because of the false memories thing, but it feels more like The Thing to me, John Carpenter's uh, yeah. remake of The Thing, where you you don't know who is who is real a or fake. alien, real or fake, yeah. or at least that's what the characters are going through. We, the audience, obviously know, but the uh, the characters are convinced that the unicorn they're talking to, they've known the, their entire life. Really good episode, breaks apart uh, flashbacks, the tools of narrative that are constantly implemented in sci-fi and shows and also you know your standard sitcom characters breaking apart the dynamics that exist between them and what makes a character mainstay versus just someone you see the for the first time really intelligent episode so if any if any game could be made around a single episode it's this one because i can't think of any other series where there's this intense of an episode that everyone remembers that you could design around yeah especially around the designing part so like i think um i was just trying to think about other show again because i didn't watch any rick and morty i'm trying to think about other shows that i watched before that had an episode at least of this caliber like this memory recall and to me i'm thinking about like the episode of peter fighting the guy in the chicken suit Right. Uh, yeah. Like that was a Famous big sequence. Yeah, yeah. and the, yeah, the whole sequence in Family Guy. That's one thing. And then, for some reason, I always remember the episode of the Towley episode of um, South Park, or yeah. the episode of the people coming back from the future stealing their jobs. Like, there's a couple of those kinds of episodes in these series that really stick out and you remember, but none of them have enough depth, right, to to make a game. So I think it is interesting that in this case there is. You know, there is an objective at hand, and you're turning that objective into a game objective. I, I also, Tom, cannot recall a game specifically going out for, all out for a single episode in a single series. And then I looked more into the Cryptozoic catalog, and I, I'm not <laughs> sure if these are episodes, but I, I would tend to think so. Uh, Rick and Morty, Mr. Meeseeks, Box of Fun. Yep. Rick and Morty, Anatomy Park, the game. Rick and Morty, Close Rick, Counters of the Rick Kind deck building game. Rick and Morty, the Rick's Must Be Crazy multiverse game. Rick and Morty, the Pickle Rick game. Rick and Morty, the Rick Shank Rick Dimption deck building game. Rick and Morty, Look Who's Purging Now card game. And Rick and Morty, the Morty Zone dice That's game. That's amazing. So, That's amazing. Rick and Morty. At the same time, this amazingness, the, the fact that these episodes are, de- they have enough depth that you can design around them. One, that's impressive. Yes, I'll give you that. But two, the fact that Rick and Morty has eight games from Cryptozoic based off their episodes, it's also why, it's why we don't like it very much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Does that make me bitter? Maybe. Does it make me a bad person? Perhaps. Yeah. And but it, uh, it's the truth. I see it. Cryptozoic does this. Obviously, I'm looking through now and there's, Adventure Time ones, and there's um, Archer right. ones, and yeah, it just kind of seems like they're... Are those episode-based? Um, no, I think the Adventure Time ones is a yeah. card game series. Yeah, they're not episode-based for sure. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, the one we are playing today, Total Recall, is the first of the Rick and Morty games that they put out. Uh, it came out in 2016, and so I don't know if that lines up chronologically with how the episodes were released, but anyways, this is the first stab by Cryptozoic in, into the Rick and Morty universe. All right, well, let's talk about, let's open the box, and box. let's talk about what we got inside, inside and inside the box. 
open up the box, you have a deck of oversized cards, and these oversized cards are specifically going to be the character cards. These character cards are going to come in uh, various colors, red, blue, and green, each one depicting a single character, presumably from that show, and also presumably a character that isn't going to show up again in the Rick and Morty universe, based on what Tom said. I don't actually know that, just guessing. Uh, You have two other small decks of cards. You have uh, an orange deck labeled action cards, and these are just going to be your various actions throughout the game. And then you have a a grayish, blackish deck called the identity card deck. And those are going to be what determines which characters are either parasites or real characters. Um, And so that's all that's in the game. It is, aside from one first player token, it is just strictly a card game that you kind of lay out as if it's uh, code names or or uh, you know in any game you just play and laying cards out to throw out in, in dominion you don't have a board per se you just, you're just making a tableau of cards so the basis of the game you each player is going to take three action cards and we're going to lay out a tableau of character cards under each character card is an identity card and the object of the game is to kill all the parasites and then not kill any of the real characters Uh, if you kill four real characters you lose and throughout the game you're going to be adding more and more characters as they enter uh, presumably as they did in the episode they're going to enter and you won't you may or may not know their identity using the action cards to peek at identity shoot characters draw extra cards um, just various buffs and bonuses uh, going going throughout Included in the rules are a basic version where it's fully cooperative and also an advanced version that is semi-cooperative where you also take on the role of a character and also take on an identity either being a parasite or a real character. Uh, That's all. It's a straight up about 30 minute game depending on uh, how quickly you blow through it and it can be played with I think three to five players. Maybe three to six. I think it's three to six. Mm -hmm. But... That's it. Uh, pretty simple game, pretty minimal components, and uh, pretty easy to get through. Huh? Yeah, I'm recording right now. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, baby. Hi, <laughs> Garrett says hi. Hi, Garrett. I'm sorry for interrupting. That's okay. The door is open. And yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm going to include this. <laughs> You're in the app. There it is. Um, I'm okay, so. Of the two variants that we have, we have the one where you are working together and they've eliminated the sort of... This This is one of the few games in Roll Move that we've played twice. Right. Because we, we played through the cooperative version yep. and we were sort of like, okay, well, the, the elements of sort of who's a parasite, who's not a parasite, we love betrayal mechanics on this show. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're like, all right, well, let's... The first playthrough was bearable enough that we were willing to try it again with the new mechanics. I'm very glad that we played it again yeah. with the new mechanics. Right. Um, one, because like we had gotten something fundamentally wrong on our first playthrough, <laughs> and we were able to get a better understanding of the game because we gave it another shot. Uh, but two, the this episode, I'm kind of I'm kind of impressed with how min, how the mechanics of the, how this episode's plot seamlessly transition. Mm-hmm. into gameplay mechanics for a, a pretty decent board game. Uh, the the use, Using cards in order to determine whether or not you can assess the identities of different colored uh, aliens 
right? You can, you're allowed to peek right. at a red alien. You're allowed to swap the identities hidden behind uh, two blue aliens or something along those lines. There's a lot of there's a lot of variation for the cards there that not only allowed you to have the the ability to maneuver around the uh, you know the plot of what you're supposed to be doing, but it was actually it allowed for a pr- pretty seamless interaction between other players. And so I'm glad that we played this again where I was able to take a closer look at it. But my main question that I have for you guys is, what did you think of the betrayal mechanic as far as players being parasites versus... So I was going to touch on... So you mentioned that um, we had played it a second time and there's a, these advanced mechanics that Garrett had, had discussed earlier. I, I think it didn't add that much. Um, I think the reason why we like this the advanced version is, like you mentioned, Tom and, Thomas, we, we did end up... Uh, we did a rule incorrectly the first time um, where we started with more cards than we should have, which is actually harder. But like you're saying, it doesn't give you that theme of more and more characters are coming out. Um, and I think if we had played it correctly the first time, we would have still gotten that same sentiment. So to, to the listeners at home, the only difference uh, with the basic and the advanced version is the advanced version, you yourself have a side that you're trying to play on, um, a parasite or human side. And the betrayal mechanic is pretty shallow in my opinion because very early on you could kill and shoot other players and um, if you figure out their parasite, they end up becoming a human for the rest of the game. So it's very advantageous to figure out who the other players are early and then it becomes just a regular base game in my opinion. Um, so I, I feel like it comes a little bit short. Um, we, we, can, we can talk about end game in a little bit, but I think there's some tweaks that they can make to the end game. Uh, that would make it a lot more interesting in terms of um, you know holding on to your identity, like like you see a lot of games do, like Secret Hitler or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a bit warmer on it. I think they, I, I think it's actually a good implementation of a betrayal mechanic. I think the issue is they were too rigid on the rules for three players, which is what we played it at. Right. I think I think it would have been significantly better at four even five. four, yeah. but five five definitely, which which it's intended for. Because they don't they don't change the ratio of the cards and the identity deck. They don't change the amount of real players that need to get killed. If you're up to five players, the game automatically ends when you kill a fourth real player. You can't just check the identity identity of each player, right? You're you're gonna you're gonna get way behind the eight ball there, and and really put yourself in position. Jeff's right. In a three player game, you just go through check the identity of players and then you can make it fully cooperative yeah. because if you if you kill them while they're a parasite, um, they are forced to be on the real team moving forward. And I think that's a bad rule. Because yeah. you right, right. you I I don't know, you see you, you see changing identities in other games, but like changing it so they're permanently on the quote unquote good side, I, I think is probably not a great idea. Um, I'm thinking of Battlestar Galactica, you can change from the good side to the bad side. I'm not a Cylon. Right, you can. You're thematically. You don't know that you're a Cylon, and and you're going through. And then all of a sudden, you're like, "Oh crap, I am a Cylon." Yeah, I've, yeah. I've dug myself into this hole, and I think that's that's kind of thematic. But in, in this, you just go from you were a parasite to oh, all of a sudden you sympathize with them, and you're a real character. Yeah, and so just to reiterate with the people at home, the reason why the three player variant didn't work that well is because there's two parasites in the game, and that that in and of itself isn't that bad, but. There's another rule where you can choose the end to end the game at any point. Um, and in, in the advanced versions, it's because there are two sides, it's by majority rule. 
If at any point you realize that you're, if you know you're a parasite and you realize there's one other parasite in a three-player variant, you can ask to end the game. Yeah. And the way that the way that the cards shake out, there's I think there's six humans and the rest are parasites. There's a lot more parasites than four. than real. Yeah. Four, four. There's six cards total. Four humans, two parasites. Yeah, yeah. And so um, there, there's a lot more parasites in the um, in the, the in the characters in the middle that you need to kill. And so very likely, the earlier you win the game, if you're a parasite, the, the more likely you're going to win. So if you know early on that there's another parasite on your team and you ask for... And this happened to us. Um, in yeah, one of we our actually players. played three games of this. Yeah. So if you ask for, <laughs> hey, we want to we wanna end the game. I know there's another parasite. The other parasite says, yeah, we want to end the game. There's majority rule. There's nothing that the real player can do. So right. it right. that happens. It, it's not that uncommon to happen in this game. And there's no real answer for it, I feel like um in, in this game of, of rick and morty so i felt like that was kind of a, a pretty big loophole um mm-hmm. that that you know the parasites can abuse um but if, isn't isn't the big fix just like reduce the amount of parasites for the three right. player yeah game? right, they, right. but one. they specifically call out in the rules that you keep those ratios and, and you know, so you know I, I i think for I think where it is forgivable, this is a shorter game. It's not a game like Battlestar Galactica right. well, playing you... for an afternoon or and whole. It's like not. It's this is more of a lighter filler game. Yeah. Um. You know, thirty minutes. I. I think even for us as new players, it took us thirty minutes. I think brand new play. I mean, veteran players rather are are gonna breeze through this fairly quickly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think there it is forgivable and kind of you do have those games where like you know funny moment oh. I you know like it was it was kind of funny because I thought Jeff was a parasite as a parasite and so I voted in the game and I thought Jeff would vote with me because he had lied about a card on the first turn and so the first turn I'm like all right let's end the game and funnily enough he was like no I vote no and then Thomas is like all right I'll vote to end the game yeah. <laughs> so I I like completely misread the situation you know a funny a funny little thing not necessarily great game design and you definitely don't want it in a larger big game that you know you've spent three or four hours right there's not enough commitment then, to feel like ah oh, man right. that was ter- that, that was so terrible like it feels really bad right. that you won in the wrong wrong way but it's so light that right but I, but really i bad. but i do agree that it would have been better as a you know as an overall game to to change the ratio of that deck to make it one parasite as opposed to as opposed to two in that in that initial deck that you're dealing out identities for mm-hmm. yeah i mean every other social deduction game does that right like you yeah. know, Secret Hitler has a minimum player count of I can't remember five, four or five, and they tell you how many yeah. fascists versus liberals need to be in the game. And then same thing yeah. goes on for up to you know up to ten, up to twelve. You know, so they they start to they tell you based on the number of players that you have what the ratio should be because it needs to change. Um, so that brings up something I wanted to talk about. I think they specifically designed this to try and keep that to a minimum. They want they want to have this be the same experience and and. I don't know if it's supposed to be like an introductory game into the board gaming hobby or, or just like a, a very, very light card game that you can introduce to anybody. But when you're looking at the actual game itself on their uh, the Cryptozoic website, the key features that it lists are easy to learn, cooperative, but with no table captain issue, and mimics the action and hilarity of the Rick and Morty episode Total Recall. So like it's very much geared towards Rick and Morty fans, Easy game, cooperative. Right. I like that. So I like that they list those out because now that I've heard that, um, I do think they achieved everything, especially the table captain thing. I I, I do think they achieved everything that they sought out to do. Um, and, and you're right. Like you know, in this case, obviously we play games. We play a ton of games. We play games every week. We know to look for these little cracks in how the strategy goes. If you're the first sure. time, 
if it's your first time playing the game and you're playing this game because you're a Rick and Morty fan, not because you're a game fan, you're very likely not going to think to try to find the other parasite and end the game ASAP and use that as a loophole. So, so it is kind of like a corner case, but we, we tend to move and try to pick at those cracks a little earlier than most players do. So yeah, I, mm -hmm. I agree. Like for most players, they're probably not going to come into that situation. And I think once you get past the early game, um, it does, the, the mid game does tend to play a little bit more balanced, I think. Um, you know, you, you may or may not know who anybody is at that point. I mean, you can still yeah. try to figure out, but. Except for the issue when you do find out who they are, and, and we can talk about that. Yeah, more, the end so. game, I think the end game needs, needs right. work. But, so, I, one other thing I want to touch on real quick is, I, I, I agree with your point that those three, they, they mostly achieve, except for the table captain one, which mm -hmm. I was actually more, I went back and read the rules, I was actually more strict on that than the rules are. Um, which I, I kind of find, uh, I'm, I'm not sure about, but like, so in, in the rules, it says, quote, this is a cooperative game. Why can't we cooperate? What you want to avoid is someone at the table telling everyone what card to play or not to play. You can cooperate by not making mistakes for your team and playing cards that will aid your teammates. So then they go on and talk about, you know, you can give general information and this general information is actually giving away more than what we were doing in the game. So when we were playing, we were not saying in any way, shape or form what, like if we're shooting a player, mm -hmm. if we're supporting, yeah. if we're trying to figure out the identity, complete, we played like a that. complete blind, pretty much. Yeah, we yeah, played right. a complete blind. However, the tips that they give you here are say, wait, shoot him instead. I know he's a parasite, and that is like specifically the quarterbacking or table captaining. Um, yeah. I, I don't have any cards that let me shoot this round, aka I'm not shooting. Um, and, and so like they give very specific examples. I, I think they probably, I don't know, they, they're like, oh, we don't want people to quarterback, don't quarterback, and they just kind of threw it in there. I, I think they could have even been a little bit more strict. On I mean, that. we did say, we were say, like reiterating information that we did know, like, hey, remember we found out this person was real. Right. So that um, that's kind of a like a line toting like house rule, I think that, um, but I agree with you. They explicitly said no quarterbacking. I think, I think what's nice is that because it's so light, um, it doesn't feel like, you know, I think the problem is when you play a game of pandemic, for example, and you've never played before, mm -hmm. um, that game has a serious case of quarterbacking where, you know, I, I, I right. someone who's played a ton of pandemic, I know, you know, these cards are in the discard. If an epidemic comes up, they're going to get shuffled, put back on the top. Right. So we want to do remove some of these these cities, and we don't want to outbreak here. That feels like you are operating on someone else's initiative, and that's right. that's what I feel like is like the worst part of quarterbacking. Because right. this game is so light, I don't really feel that here because it's so inconsequential, well, right? Like, well, I know why they did it, and it's because they want to appeal to both the base easy, the quote unquote basic easy game, and also the advanced variation. So that cooperation comes full circle and begins to bite you in the butt when you can't trust the player saying this guy's real, right? right? And so mm -hmm. I, I think they kind of had one foot in, one foot out yeah. on this, and I, I think they should have committed one way or another. I think either, you know, because for the base people, you play with brand new gamers and you're introducing a, a game. They generally want to know what you think they should do, and they generally don't want to upset the table. Now, if you have different people, like, if you have different people in your group that don't like that, generally you as the, you know, the the guy that's bringing the game to game night or, or teaching the game, you're, you need to be on the lookout for that. You need to say, hey... Let's, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to give all the information or you say like, Jeff, now you, you make your decision and whatever happens, it's fine. 
you know. So I, I think I don't know. I they should have just gone. Yeah, you can completely talk about it, and then that naturally opens up in the in the advanced variation where you're like, I I don't think I can trust Tom. He he's he's been shady. I killed this guy. And he's real. He told me it was a parasite. So, uh, and and which which happened in our game, and so I immediately didn't trust Jeff, which I thought I shouldn't trust Jeff because I thought he was a parasite and I was a parasite, but it turns out he was. He was real, and he just didn't trust us. <laughs> and so, it, you know, it, it becomes a second think, and I think that's a good mechanic in a, in a trader game. I, I, I think that this game has a lot of potential. I feel like if there had been a little tweaks in some of the areas in order to accommodate for some of the variations that they're trying to say you can do with the game, they would have been able to preserve that that dynamic that they're sort of going for right. and achieve that balance a little bit better. Um the issue is, is that they, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda. Right. Yeah. You know, we're, we're sitting here at, at the end of it where we found, you know, within like an hour of play, we found like, you know, how you can easily abuse the in-game mechanic in addition to the, mm-hmm. uh, and the, another thing that I, that I sort of realized, and you guys, you guys touched on this a little bit, but the fact that if you're shot and you are a, they want to keep people in the game. Yeah. Right. And I understand that that with a party game that that's sort of a that's something that you have to take into consideration where it's like oh well if you're killed and you're a parasite in the advanced version of the game we don't want you to sit out and do nothing right, right. it doesn't really make sense thematically for you kill someone who's a parasite and now they're human and they get to keep playing with you they did that so that people could keep playing the game it doesn't really make sense for agreed for a game that's supposed to be bent around when you're implementing a betrayal mechanic it's very it doesn't feel very good when, you know, you all of a sudden you defeated someone who was trying to kill you and now they get to go, oh, now I'm now I'm on your side. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. we did it. <laughs> and everybody, it's now a full cooperative game. The game be- immediately right. becomes a full cooperative yeah. game. Yeah, I just think it's part of it is the, the identi- how they handled identity reveal. Like, mm-hmm. would it have been better if you never revealed your identity until the end? Um, yeah. You know, I, and I think some games do... Some games do that, like Resistance. You you're not you don't technically reveal anyone till the end. Um, but then other games where you have to kill people, then you do reveal on. Um, you you might you're supposed to reveal to some people if you're certain characters, for example. Like in Secret Hitler, you only really right. reveal if you're Hitler. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. So, I, no, I, I agree. And in those games, you usually have a killing mechanism yeah, as well. Yeah. But I I think it's pretty prevalent in this game, which is kind of interesting and. Um, I, I what I th- what I think is weird is I agree I think just having the end game mechanism which is like at the, at the dinner table I think I think is what it's called and 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 that you go around the table and you until you are satisfied that you have gotten rid of all the human the players the, the human like me Jeff and and Tom parasites mm-hmm. you you just keep going and you you kill people and you basically vote off people I think that's fine you just have that and you don't have the killing of the characters within the Mid-game. game because, yeah agreed right because then you can just say okay. Tom, you were fishy the whole time. I'm definitely killing you, and then and then you kind of reveal. Um, you 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 keep <clears> the <throat> thing where you, you're not booting players. They're in the game the whole time, but they they get to act suspiciously. They get to manipulate the cards how they see fit. They already have the mechanism where you're forced to play a card and you're forced to execute it, and you can lie about it. You can say, guys, I only have a shoot a green character. I, I'm sorry, I can't do anything else, and that may or may not be true. They already have all that stuff built in, and for some reason they're like, okay, but let's also throw this in there where you can kill players, and then if you get it right, 
they're on your side now. Hooray. Yeah. yeah. And like to add to that, like it's really easy to, to do that and have it still be a complete game. Like we yeah. had tr- we had total trust of each other after we revealed that Garrett was a parasite. Right. <laughs> but, you know, if Thomas was a parasite or let's say anybody else was a parasite or if Garrett had stayed a parasite, we never knew. He could have been telling us, oh, hey, I read this card. This card is a is a real character. Don't kill him. And it could have been a parasite the, the whole time. Now, if we, because we knew Garrett was a human, we believed him. But if we didn't know Garrett was a human, then Thomas or I I might be burning cards to, you know, do the same thing. Let's just double check that card because I want to know if Garrett is lying or not. Um, And then it becomes this he said, she said, oh, I looked at the card and it's actually fake. It's actually a parasite. So then Thomas is like, well, I don't know who to believe now. And it's Jeff or, you know. It's it's just to me the whole thing, like every single part of this that we have issues with, it's one foot in, one foot out of being an introductory game, a base game, appealing to the base game, and then the advanced variants where you have this hidden identity game. It's just they don't commit to either side and they need to to full-throatedly support one or the other. It's got the the chief mechanics are there. It's just the bells and whistles mm. have been a sore. They've been they've been constructed in a way that I think de- deteriorates from the overall product of the game. Right. But that's that's basically our opinion. So I think now is probably a good time to shift over to what is the general web consensus of this game? Has the Rick and Morty fan base <laughs> fluffed up that score? Are we looking at our first perfect ten? Onboard game geek. Gary. I like this. Uh, I have to read this comment because it's it's petty and it's inconsequential. But this this uh, person gave it a six. He's from the Netherlands, and all he wrote was reels zero, parasites two. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a reveal at all. It's just he's just boasting about his score as a parasite. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably somebody that uh, was playing in the three player variant because I I feel like the parasites do have an inherent advantage in the three player oh, yeah, yeah. variant, especially if you get a, a couple in there. Um, I, I see. I've seen. Uh, I'm not going to read them individually, but I see like four or five reviews that put in this at like a five or a six, and all of them have the same sentiments of saying this is for fans of Rick and Morty for everyone else. It's pretty okay or meh or bland. Um, those are the synonyms they all use. So, I, you know, it, it's it's basically people saying, if you like Rick and Morty, you'll love it. If not, eh, you can find other great social deduction games. Yeah, there's this guy that I don't think, um, I'm reading this, this guy, Doc Gerbil from Michigan. I don't think he re- realizes that. Like, people can, most of those people, that, the comments that you're reading, they self-recognize that, hey, I'm a Rick and Morty fan. That's sure. why I like this game. This guy wrote, typically, board games based off of intellectual properties suck buttholes. But this <laughs> one doesn't, and that's all right by me. And I think... His comment kind of shows that he's a Rick and Morty fan. Like right. you can kind of tell what kind of what kind of stuff that he likes to like laughs yeah. at and, and thinks is funny. So uh here's one. Uh probably my favorite social deduction game. This is from Gamer Dodge from Singapore. Uh it's probably my favorite social deduction game, even though it's not usually my type, because the number of players are limited. The mechanics on switching roles is very interesting, but at the same time, I think it feels weird. Played with four people for 25 minutes. The main characters are in, uh, as actions are Jerry, Summer, and Beth. It seems a bit forced. <laughs> Taking artwork from the TV is just lazy. So this guy's complaining about the uh, artwork Artwork here. from the TV. I think I from a specific episode. Yeah, yeah, that's part of the... You got bit. to, yeah. right? We've been, we've doing, been harsh on that before, yeah. Yeah, you have... If it, Like, I, I always... I love critiquing the art, and I love talking about shows where i'm just like oh they just ripped this from you know we're talking about an animated series you don't have any original art that you can put in the game the thing is 
This is around one single episode, so it's yeah. like, it's not like what are you going to put in there? Yeah, yeah, it's not like you're making a brand new lore or story. You're, you're actually basing it around that. I have one other review from Joe Harker. He gave it a 10, and he says, it takes a lot for me to rate a 10, and I love this game. <laughs> and so I just wanted to look into that, and I look into Joe Harker's reviews. Joe Harker from Colorado. Uh, he has rated two games, and he's technically right. He has only given one game a 10, that being Rick and Morty. <laughs> the other game, he gave a 9, and that was Formula Day, a, uh, a racing game. It takes a lot for me to give a 10, because I usually give 9s. <laughs> and by usually, I mean I've only rated one other game in my life. You want that extra point, you're going to have to... Really have to work, really for, work it. for it. I'm floor, usually a 9 kind of rating guy. I'm a 9 floor. I'm a 9 floor. Big 10. Uh, he says, our family plays a lot of games, and this one is the pick. Is the this is the one they picked the most? Communication is a must, and accusations plenty. Ten out of ten. There you go. There it is. All right, boys. Well, that's what the internet thinks. But what about what about the lads in the room? What about us? What about um, ours? I'll jump in here. I feel like I've I've made my position pretty clear. I I think they had again one foot in, one foot out. They really needed to commit to one or the other. And I I think it's okay to have like a an introductory game, a filler game, a fully cooperative game that is supposed to introduce people. And it's okay to have an advanced variant, but you need to either delineate those two. You need to be more. You need to say, all right, if you're advanced, you're you're playing advanced. You know, don't don't expect to get the same kind of cooperation and, and and teamsmanship here you're you're on your own and uh if you guys win that's great but you're gonna have to overcome those rules they really just needed to commit in in both direct like divide and, and commit in both directions to to really make this game sing and i think it's a shame because i think a lot of these mechanics are really really good um we didn't really talk about it much but the introduction of characters every single round just like filling the board filling the room making it harder and harder for you to remember. Um, there's almost like this memory-like aspect of you trying to remember who's real, who's fake, and then you shuffle the cards around. Um, it can get confusing, and I think it's got some cool stuff as far as that goes. I think it's it's really got some cool mechanics that I would like to see in a lot of social deduction games, um, specifically specifically having these like specific, this like limited amount of actions that you're allowed to perform each turn. You don't normally see that you know with like cards uh in this game it being the three action cards that you can play and those being pretty diverse but also very limiting on what you can do um i don't know there, there's a lot of good stuff here and it just didn't quite come together because of the delineation that they ref- kind of refused to draw between the two modes um I wanna I wanna see the positives in this game which i am actually surprised about because i went into this thinking you know, it's a Rick and Morty game and I'm going to just trash it. Um, so I, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I do love Matt Hira and generally he's, he's put out a lot of good games. I, I really like a lot of his stuff. So, you know, thinking, you know, and with once I saw that it was his, it's not surprising that I was appreciative of that stuff. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually going to go with a lot of people here and give this a six. Six. Very one of your highest rated games. It is. It is indeed. Big Rick and Morty fan. I'm a big Rick and Morty guy. You know what they say. Can I I get get I get all the jokes. I uh, I really understand the humor they're going for. And uh, anybody who doesn't, it's just they just don't get it. I uh, I will leave the actual person who's watched and appreciated Rick and Morty for last. So I'll go next. Um, I 
I think that the game did a lot of things right for a lightweight game, especially if you're a fan of the of the genre or of the of the series. I really do like the fact that they um, centered around one very well known episode. Um, I like again, Garrett mentioned the mechanics of you know a new character popping out and you feeling like you're getting overwhelmed. Um, I do wish that they had cleaned up some of the things in the advanced mode. Like, and, and I think, you know, the more I think about it, um, part of it is that we played a three-player variant, and I think three-player variant's broken in a lot of ways. Like, for example, I'll give one more example, and that's there's a ton of shuffle cards um, where you're shuffling the identities of certain colors. And because we had three players, I think we were able to navigate around that. Like, we knew, let's say we knew one of the blue cards and not, none of the rest. Or sorry, we, we didn't know one of the blue cards and we knew the rest. Um, we were pretty good about not shuffling those around. So we had to re basically refigure everything out. But, right. you know, if you were playing in a four-player variant or a five-player variant, those things might be unavoidable. Um, and it becomes really, it might become it might become really difficult to find all the real yeah. identities of these people. Or even in a three-player variant, if you didn't have to reveal who you were when you get shot... Um, and you could, have, you could have said, oh, I, this is all I can play. I have to play the shuffle card, you know, and then you could have ruined it for people. So there, there are some things I think that can be fixed. I think we did happen to stumble on maybe one of the, one of the worst variants of the game in the three player, um, setup, but you know, I, I think most of it's there. Um, I, I think just a couple tweaks here and there would have been nice. Um, I didn't hate the game. I, I, I definitely think it was worth it for us to play it again a second time. I think we got a lot more out of how the game should have been played. Um, uh, and there's like a plethora of... What I really did like is that there's no repeat characters too. I think that probably speaks more to the episode. Um, but I like that they they didn't like kind of rehash some of these people and, and you get two of the same guys. Um, I'm going to give it a pretty decent score. I think I've been pretty generous recently, except for Mad Mag. Um, I'm going to give this a five and a half. Uh... Very nice. Um, I, I, I will say this. I'll start off by saying this. I, I get a pretty good sense of satisfaction when I see something that just fits perfectly well. You guys ever watch those videos where it's like they take the tube and they take the, you know, the can of Coke and they, they put it and it just barely fits and it slides in so slow and it's so satisfying to watch or, you know, maybe you're watching, uh, Someone like take a take a hot knife and cut through butter, and it's just it's there's perfect pieces of satisfaction that you can you can have, or like the perfect sized cup holder that just barely fits the the cup that you're looking at. I sort of look at that, and I get the same <laughs> sensation as when I look at this episode fitting to card slash board game. It converts so well into card game betrayal game mechanics that are just begging to be made into a game. And I I didn't make the connection until I saw the game in front of me. So I, I get that same satisfaction here, and I want to give a lot of credit to the designers who brought that to life. Um, and I thought Cryptozoic did a really good job uh, with this. That being said, I'm sort of echoing the sentiments with there were a lot of the uh, the ancillary parts of this the, in the variants that sort of made it fall apart, that made it not really work that well. But it's got... You know, e e even if even if the rearview mirror in this car that they built blocks the windshield a little bit, the seats are a little uncomfortable. You're not really quite sure why they put the uh, 
the gear shift, you know, where they decided to put it. But it's got an engine. It's got four wheels. We can take this down to the park and go for a little spin if we want to. So it's a functioning game. I got to give this thing uh, a five. I thought it was I was very serviceable. I thought it was fun. I thought there's some obvious things that you could clean up. And if you add your own rules, if you just do vocal agreements, you can clean those up. So I don't know. Awesome. I Maybe I'm in a good mood. Five. Awesome. Well, that brings the Rough Draft Boys average to a five and a half. BGG has this at a 6.2 off of 1.5 thousand ratings. Uh, and what I was shocked to see is it's a it's a nice bell curve. I, I kind of expected to see a uh, bunch a of Rick and Morty fans of tens, yeah, yeah and a huge explosions of zeros like you do with like um, new releases that haven't been released, you know, haven't been quite released yet. And people just voted a ten because they're excited, they're all hyped up, and then the people just counter it out, throw a zero on there. Of course, with the Rick and Morty fan base. Uh, but as you know, it's time to add our review to the BGG database. Alrighty, boys. Uh, I guess you guys want me to try and do a really shitty impersonation of Justin Roiland's Rick. That's exactly what I would every day. Do. I wake up praying for that every day. Well, your prayers have been answered. If you want to check out this review, here's what we got on BoardGameGeek.com. Morty, Morty, check it out, Morty. I'm a I'm a board game review, Morty. Five out of ten for this this game, Morty. It's got a broken three player mode. It's broken, but it still serves the theme decently, Morty. I'm board game review Rick. Wubble of a dub dub. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, I'm back to hating this game. <laughs> Did I change my review now? <laughs> oh gee, I don't know, Rick. <laughs> Gotta give it zero stars after that oh shit. Oh my god! Yeah, this is wrong. why. This is why we have to. This is why we can't have nice things. We gotta gatekeep the community. I know. And, uh, sorry, no Rick and Morty fans in the board game geek community Get out. They, they gotta go they gotta go <laughs> oh well that uh that's sort of we're sort of winding things down here we got our uh we got our adrenaline running with that uh that beautiful review there but if you guys would like to uh would like to reach out to us maybe maybe you would like to maybe you, maybe you have some sneaking suspicions that you have some family members who aren't exactly who they say they are could be some parasites in disguise you can you can run that bias we can give you some friendly advice if you hit us up at on twitter at rough draft games if you have any game recommendations anything we can play over webcam print and plays anything on uh, tabletop simulator it's got a decently good mod or uh, any vhs games looking at you trev send us an email roughdraftgames at gmail.com i will open those up i will get them on the show just let me know what you want us to play yes if you want to find more reasons to figure out if you need to shoot your friends, check out our website, roughcraftgames.com, <laughs> where you can check out things like our thematic posts, um, about other games that we like, um, other episodes of Roll and Move, and of course, information about our game, All Rise. And lastly, but not leastly, we would like to thank all of you who have gone to iTunes and rated us five stars, rated the podcast highly, helps other people find the show, helps expand our little community here, and we love to have you guys on board. Um, as far as a little upkeep goes, you know, we have a lot of people who are, who are wondering, you know, we're getting ready to post another update on the, the Kickstarter. Garrett, are we going live with Backkit? Are we already live with that? What's, what's going on? Do, do we have a date for that? It's out now. It's out now. <laughs> well, I, I can safely say, now that we've kicked all the Rick and Morty fans off the podcast, I can safely say to all of you, we love you all. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.